This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The only reason, but one of the reasons that I should be elected commissioner of college football is I don't think anyone has a better grasp on the psychology of us, we as a people, than I do. And so everybody's talking about expansion and contraction. Everyone's talking about realignment. Everyone's talking about how the ACC could drop off into the Atlantic just as the Pac-12 drops off into the Pacific. Guilty. I have, I have been guilty of trafficking in such conversation this week, but the psychological aspect is this. I know you don't want to listen to that. You want to be assured that things are going to be okay. And so tonight, gather around the old late kick campfire here. Sometimes I'm putting out the fires as Fire Patrol Pate, but tonight I am fanning the flames of the fire that will gather around and together accept the fact that it'll be okay. This is Late Kick Live. It is now Thursday, May 25th. The year of our Lord, 2025, 23. Who knows what we'll have on our hands in 2025. And we're jam-packed, high atop, somewhat of an overcast, but still cheery downtown Nashville, Tennessee. I'm going to lead the show with it tonight. College football is going to be fine. I know there there are some band-aids we need to put on the sport. It's going to be fine. No one's running for the exit door. We've got some things to talk about in terms of bold predictions tonight. We got some of you just just flat out questioning the manhood of Ohio State. I'll do my best to defend them. If not, outright join in with you. Who knows which way I'll go on that. This whole Georgia, Florida, Jacksonville conundrum is going to end up being a big deal. Not until 2025, speak of the year. But it's going to end up being a big deal. I think we're approaching a point where that thing just goes to a home and home. And one of you asked about it, so I'll talk about it. Also, the Dion stuff has gotten way out of control. On this channel and in life, it's gotten way out of control. Now, it, it, it behooves us to talk about Dion because it moves the needle. But my goodness, we can't talk about him without the comment section going crazy. And it's because the, well, I think a lot of people don't watch the video. I, I get accused like 10 times a minute now of saying something that I didn't say about it. It was just like, watch the video. So anyway, we'll talk about all that. They're watching us in Rhonda, North Carolina, Oakland, California. Losing your baseball team, but you got a college football show. Fort Worth, Texas, Mobile, Alabama, or L.A., Lower Alabama, as we called it in Harris County. Thank you for watching us. I've got some things to talk to you about um, very, very, very quickly here. So Sunday night, it's Memorial Day Eve. Bradley's tongue's dragging the ground. Director Colin hasn't gone home in months. Uh, Producer Jesse had the audacity to take a vacation. Couldn't be us. But since that's the case, here's what I did today. I came in early, and good for me for doing that. And we recorded about an hour, 15-minute conversation with our good buddy, Cole Kublik. We had him on the show a couple of months ago. We got insanely good reviews on that. So we just went hardcore, deep dive on all sorts of stuff today, and we will edit that, and we'll upload it on the channel Sunday. So it's not going to be a traditional show Sunday night, but it will be plenty and then some. There'll be a lot of meat on the bone in that chat that we had back and forth. The second thing is I I get daily now people asking me, hey, what happened to those those conversations and those interviews you said you were going to bring us when we got the channel to 100K? We got three of them coming up in June. I'm not going to tell you who they are until right beforehand because that's the fun of it. Uh, This is the time of year I can schedule that sort of thing. Because of the kind of names that we're going to have on the show, you kind of got to work on their schedule. So that's that. And thirdly, I have probably the stupidest injury right now that any of you have or any of you have suffered from, and I'll talk about it later in the show, Uh, but you know, you always need some perspective in life 
and I've been feeling bad for myself all day. I don't even have the right flavor of choice liquid in the chalice. We had to go with second string orange tonight. But what I didn't do is lose to the 19th ranked player in this office in ping pong, two out of three today. And, and one, of, one of our brethren in the other room right now did. So um, we'll call him Aaron Grisham. And it's been a rougher day for him than it ever will have been for me. I just got a mildly strained back. So details to come later in the show. But uh, prayers up for Grishy. Okay, let's breathe deep. Let's work on our box breathing techniques. I was doing some research on that. Colin, are you familiar with box breathing? It's really, really fascinating. It makes you feel so peaceful. Google it, kids. After the show, Google it. Colin, here's your end point. College football is going to be fine. I know a lot of people are worried right now. I know they got you scared. I know maybe even if you've watched Late Kick and you've heard me talking about how there's such an uncertain, hazy future for the Pac-12 and the ACC and the like, I know that it may make you feel like there are treacherous waters ahead. And yeah, they may get choppy. But do you understand how strong this sport is? I don't think many of you do, judging by how dire the comment section looks a lot of times when we talk about what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. So one of you came to me, and you were very respectful, sent me an email, and you said, I love the show. And then there were like paragraphs of compliments about the show. And then you said, but I got to be honest with you. I have not liked the doom and gloom segments as of late. And while I would slightly disagree with the characterization of us doing doom and gloom segments, point taken. So maybe I haven't done a good enough job of explaining that even if all this stuff's going on in front of you, there is a lot about the foundation of this sport that will make things more than okay in the end. What I cannot do tonight here on this, what, May 25th, 2023, I cannot promise you if you're a Washington State fan, that things are going to be okay. I'd be lying to you. I could say it, but I'd be lying to you. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to insult your intelligence by trying to do that. What I'm going to say in a very general sense is the same thing like Morgan Freeman said, President Morgan Freeman, when Deep Impact was happening, the asteroid was imminent. He knew some folks were going to get wiped out, but he did, he did let America know that by and large, we will persevere. It's just not all of you are going to be with us. That, that's about as good as I can do tonight. I am telling you, this sport's going to be more than fine. This sport's going to prosper. It's going to flourish. There will be some figurative casualties along the way. It's inevitable. It's unavoidable. I'm not going to say I told you so other than to say I told you so, but that's in the past. So let's break off the rearview mirror. Let's just look through the windshield. The first thing people are claiming, now just go down a list of two or three things. The first thing that people are claiming, is conference realignment is going to ruin college football. It's not going to ruin college football. It is going to change college football. If you'll notice, by the way, if you're 25 years old, this stuff seems new to you. It's not new. It's always happened. Conference realignment has always happened. There has never been like a, a static 10 or 15-year period of this sport where there was just no movement. It hasn't happened. And here's what I realized. I know college football fans of all ages, 8 to 80. I know college football fans that run the entire gamut of being very, very young to very, very, uh, shall we say, seasoned. And the more seasoned amongst us, you would think, if the sport was being ripped apart at the seams, would be freaking out right now. I've noticed the opposite. This is not, a, this is not an absolute observation, but I've noticed in many cases, the older college football fans amongst us actually are sitting back sort of going, hmm. And they may not like what's happening, but they're not freaking out. The younger crowd, ironically, is freaking out more than the older crowd because I think the older crowd has a lot more uh, learned lessons through observation of the history of college football, and they know changes always happen. And they've probably heard a time or 10, someone tell them, this is it. This is the end of college football as we know it. And it's never been the end of college football, as they knew it even, much less just the end of college football. Conference realignment, it will be no different. Now, you're going to get a very, very healthy and robust power two of conferences in the major college football levels. You will get that. That's unavoidable. We were kind of already there. We will be there. I don't know how the second tier of college football will play out. I don't know who's going to be in the ACC. I don't know that. But if you'll just think for a second, at uh, the, the plight of rice, food, 
Rice used to be in the Southwest Conference. There was a time that the Southwest Conference was viewed as the premier conference in college football. How's the Southwest Conference right now? How is Rice right now? Rice is about a five-some-odd touchdown dog against Texas, their old Southwest Conference partner, by the way, to open the season. Rice was a casualty, so to speak, of the changing landscape of college football. So it doesn't serve as any consolation to Rice fans that the Southwest Conference broke apart and Arkansas went to the SEC and pretty much all the other ones went to like the Big 12 or elsewhere. No, it does not. It does not provide any solace to them. But by and large, college football fans don't spend every waking moment telling themselves, boy, once we lost the Southwest Conference, that was it. Nor in the future will you say, boy, when we lost fill in the blank, that was it. Now, you may have individual fan bases that say that. And I feel for you guys. I absolutely feel for you guys. You, if you've watched this show, you know how I feel about that. I am very, very unhappy about it. But the sport overall will be okay. The other thing that's happening right now is the transfer portal has very much changed uh, the sanctity, the integrity, if you will, of roster management, and it's changed how you define a college football player, how you define the value of a commitment, how you define the value of uh, a starter or depth. All of a sudden, now you've trained yourself to look at the roster and say, hey, in any given year, like 20% or 30% of these guys could be moving on, and that's ruining the sport. That's the follow-up in that sentence. I hear it all the time. The transfer portal has made it a selfish, me-first mentality, and all these guys are just mercenaries out there looking to start wherever they can. Some guys are playing for three or four schools, and that's ruining the sport. Is it really ruining the sport? Here's the best way to gauge it. Let's say you're watching Clemson versus Florida State. Week four, this fall. It is 20-17 to 17 Knowles, mid-third quarter. It is fourth and half a yard. FSU is on the Clemson 31-yard line. And they're deciding whether to go for it. Oh, they're going to go for it. Here they come to the line of scrimmage. Crowd is at full throat. Play clock, five, four, three. Press pause. Are you thinking about the portal at all? Are you thinking about conference realignment at all? Are you thinking about NIL? Are you thinking about how much money those individual players are making and how much maybe the guy next to them is not making? The answer is no, no, and no. All you care about is the game. All you care about is the matter at hand. All you care about is what you've always cared about, and that is a Saturday in the fall, and as long as we have that, you've got college football. So you ask me, well, what would it take for you to walk away from college football? What would it take to turn you off from college football? That's it. We didn't have that anymore. That's when I'd walk away from college football. But you see, we're nowhere close to losing that. You may be close to losing some things or some things changing. You know we're close to losing that. And the other thing about it is, in that moment, on fourth and half a yard, on the opponent's 31-yard line, three-point game, mid-third quarter, big-time urgency on the, on the line. Are you really thinking about what percentage of your roster originally committed to Florida State? Or are you just thinking about the cats you've got and the cats they've got and whether your cats are better than their cats? What are you thinking about? I think we all understand what you'd be thinking about. And it's the same thing people watching at home agnostically are thinking about. No one is paying attention to the very thing that many are claiming is destroying the sport in a moment like that. The moments are what it's about, is my point. Speaking of which, speaking of NIL, I got some folks claiming to me that NIL is ruining the sport. Maybe, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. It may sound like that. I'm not trying to insult you if you feel this way. I guess I'm trying to change your mind on it. Is it really ruining the sport? I don't disagree with you that it's changing the sport. I don't even disagree with some of you who may say you don't like certain aspects of this. That's totally fine. Okay, if, again, if you watch my show, I speak out frequently on things I do and don't like. We've all got preferences. We've all got an idealistic view of the world of college football and what we would like to see. It's not always the way it is. In fact, rarely is that the way it is. But there's a far cry from I'm not getting it exactly how I want versus it's ruining the sport. NIL's not ruining the sport. Um, unregulated NIL may have led to a far less than ideal circumstance in the sport, and that's not just for you as a fan. That's for the offensive coordinator at Kentucky or the, the defensive backs coach at Oklahoma State. Yeah, a lot of folks are dealing with that. And then you got Congress laughably claiming. Now, I want to emphasize laughably claiming. They're about to come in and solve anything. Don't count on that. 
I just look at it, and I, the more I talk to staffers, staffers are ahead of the game here a little bit. Coaching staffs, not across the board, but some of, coach, some of these coaching staffs are starting to realize, all right, this is about to settle a little bit. And here, here's another thing that's happening. It's behind the scenes. It doesn't really affect you at all. But for anyone who was scared that NIL was just going to completely overhaul recruiting, look at the top 10. Does it look any different? Look at the outcomes in the national championship games. Does it look any different? Aside from TCU making a freak run, does the playoff picture even look any different? The same teams that were always there, by and large, are there. And the ones that are new to the party, like welcome back Florida State, welcome back after a brief absence LSU, welcome back Tennessee, they're not back because of NIL or the portal. They're back because they got their act together. They always should have been there. So it wasn't changes to college football that opened the door for them. My point there is simply to say, is it really ruining the sport? Like, is that what we're looking at? I don't, I don't think so. And what I was going to tell you about what's going on behind the scenes is, for those of you who were worried that NIL was just going to create a situation on the recruiting market where these deeper-pocketed schools came in and bought all the recruits they wanted, <laughs> which had never happened before, trust me. Here's what's actually happening. There's a pretty magic number out there in the recruiting world right now as it overlaps with NIL, about 10%, give or take. Could be 8%, could be 12%, but let's just use 10%. 10% the number that when all is said and done over the next couple of years, most programs are going to settle at as an allocation percentage of their overall NIL budget to go to recruiting. And all that means is Schools are learning very quickly. We do not want to spend inordinate amounts of the finite budget that we have on unproven players. There's a myth that it's just endless money. These places are printing money. They'll spend whatever it takes. No, they won't. Even the deepest pocketed programs have a budget. There is a limit. There's a number. It may be bigger than Middle Tennessee's, but there is a number. And they are not going to spend 50% of it on high school kids. They will get burned by it fantastically. They're going to end up, most of them are going to end up allocating about 10, 12, maybe 15% of their NIL budget towards high school players. And disproportionately, most of it will be spent on either portal players or what about this concept? Players already on their roster who are proving themselves. And so if you think that's going to ruin the sport, we simply disagree. You're going to end up with haves and have nots, and you're going to find that in most cases, those clumps are going to look eerily similar to what those clumps look like in 05. So is realignment ruining college football? It's not ruining the sport. It is absolutely detrimental to some programs. I don't like it. I'm not telling you otherwise. It's not going to ruin the sport. NIL is not ruining the sport. The transfer portal is not destroying the sport. College football is going to be fine. Okay, so any of you who are new to the party and you've listened to this show over the past couple of weeks and it sounded alarmist in nature, it's only because I try to get out in front of this stuff instead of yelling from behind the wave. I try and get in front of the wave and yell, hey, wave coming. I try and do that uh, because I would, I would much rather take preventative measures, whatever that means behind the microphone, than just yell about things after the fact. But do not mistake what I'm saying. We're trying to tell you college football screwed. College football is not screwed. You're going to have a great product. It's going to be fine. It's going to change. It always has. There will be beneficiaries. There will be casualties. It'll suck for the ones that get left behind. The end. I just told you the story of college football as it's been throughout its entire existence. It's just you got a new set of circumstances that is repeating what the reality has always been. All right, now that that's out of the way, I appreciate you guys being tuned in live. Thank you so much. And if you are here, like the video, thumbs up, and subscribe to the channel because we are on the road to 200K subs. Notice the serious face. Notice the paper pop. And I know that a lot of you out there just listen on podcast, which is cool because we have the number one college football podcast in the world right now, even though podcast is not our main source of traffic. And if you don't think management notices that, think again, friends. So thank you for that. Anyway, if you're listening on podcast, keep doing it. Just go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe there too, because it doubly helps us. Thank you. Okay. I got a question from someone. I was, I was wondering, where, Colin, where should we put this in the show? Belchi is producing the show tonight. Belchi, where should we put this in the show? Well, we put it near the top. 
Because even though it's an Ohio State question, Ohio State's one of those national teams. And also, I'm getting the sense, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm getting the sense a lot of you have formed an early opinion on Ohio State this year. So I'm going to read you this question, and then I'll give you my response. Chris from Dearborn, Michigan hit us up. He said, why do people just assume Ohio State can win a national title every year? My answer is because they can win a national title every year. Do we, do we need to go down the road of explaining the difference between cannot and do not? Cannot versus will not, cannot versus have not. There's a big difference in what you're technically capable of versus what you will go on to achieve. Um, Alabama last year, could they have won a title? Yes. Did they? No. Ohio State last year. This is where I go when people come at me with this because they're doing it a lot right now. I was talking to Kubelik today. You'll see this on the Sunday interview I upload. We were talking about Ohio State, and he had hesitation. He, he kind of sounded like Chris. Colin, check and see if Kubelik has a little twin up in Dearborn because it sounded a lot like Kubelik today. He said, I don't know why people just assume Ohio State can win one. I don't know that they can win one. And I'm like, maybe we just take different approaches here. Because in May or June, July, or August, before they've kicked it off, I like to operate under this philosophy. When you're asking me who can win a title, I'm going to err on the side of caution. So my field will always be big. I'll have like 10 or 15 teams in there. And it's because I'm not going to ignore raw talent. Now, raw talent alone doesn't do anything. And, and come November, we will have learned that. But we don't, we don't know that in August. We don't know whose talent will be cultivated and developed and put in the right place and utilized the proper way. We don't know that. That's why, that's why God has us play the games instead of getting to August and then hit fast forward button for us to December. Voila, there are your results. That wouldn't be all that fun. That would destroy college football. And I don't, I don't have it on good authority that that's coming anytime soon. So with Ohio State, what do I know every year about Ohio State? They're going to be supremely talented. Every year about Ohio State, I know that they have had a really deep receiver room. Every year at Ohio State, I know that they outclass roster-wise everyone in the Big Ten. Now, I know what you're yelling right now. So I'm going to wait for a second. They're probably done. I, most of you, 90% of you are done yelling now. I, I, just, I just told you talent doesn't win you anything. Talent alone doesn't win you anything. So you don't have to yell at me. Well, that was the case last year. What happened last year? Well, that was the case two years ago. What happened last year? They lost to Michigan both years. That's what happened. T talent alone doesn't win you anything. I think I've repeated that like five times already tonight. So what should I do? Where should I classify them? Let's say you were running a sports book. Colin, out of curiosity, do we have that slider that has the overall odds to win the national championship this year? Because it has Ohio State way up there. And anyone who's asking me this question from Dearborn, Michigan, has to be just beside themselves. They have to be floored to see that Ohio State has odds that are right in line with Michigan. They have virtually the same odds as Michigan to win the national title. For the record, as of tonight, you realize Ohio State is a one-point dog against Michigan in the game that's several months down the road. That is telling you that the odds makers, for example, view them as, as pretty equal. They may even slightly favor Ohio State neutral field. Anyway, that's irrelevant because, as you could tell me, Ohio State was favored the last two years. What did it mean? I get you. My point is, let's pretend that you ran Caesars Sportsbook instead of the folks at Caesars, Mr. Caesar. Where would you put Ohio State? If you Forget about splitting money. Forget about monitoring the action. If you just wanted to put true-to-life odds on Ohio State on your board, where would you put them? You putting them behind USC? You, you may put them behind LSU. Many of you may like LSU more than Ohio State this year. That's okay. But, but how far down are you putting them? You're going to put them behind Notre Dame, behind Texas A&M? Are you putting them behind Tennessee? Where would you put them? I don't think people remember last year properly because everyone thinks negatively about Ohio State right now and usually if they think negatively, they follow it up with, yeah, because Ryan Day can't win the big one. And I just, I wonder where you were in 2022. I wonder what you were watching. Because I know I was in Atlanta, Georgia, after being in Columbus, Ohio the month before and seeing them lose to Michigan. I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I think it was New Year's Eve. I was standing right under that upright 
you can see it if you watch the replay. I'm in a blue shirt. I'm standing right under that upright as that potential game-winning field goal goes wide, very wide. And Buckeyes lose 41 to 40, I think it was, 42 to 41. That's the gap. That, a, a ball coming off a foot the right way is the difference between Ohio State and Ryan Day not being able to win the big one and them entering this year preseason co-favorite with Georgia to repeat. Like that, That's the gap. That's what we're talking about. That is not how people remember last year. I told you guys the next night, I told you they just lost this game. It was an incredible game. Six or seven times out of ten, they probably win it, but they lost it. The way they lost it, I said it doesn't matter. People are not even going to remember this game. They're going to remember the Michigan game, and they're going to combine that with, and they've lost two years in a row, and we're going to go into next year, and it's going to be the most uncomfortable several months for Ryan Day ever because his entire future is going to be decided based on the Michigan game, and here we are. Here we are. So I don't, I don't look at the situation that way is why I'm teeing it up like that. So why I think about them as a national title contender is because I compare their players to other teams' players. That's why I do it. I don't compare them to past Ohio State teams or anything like that. Uh, there are several points of vulnerability here, not the least of which is the quarterback position. Sure it is. The fact they had to rely on a transfer from San Diego State to shore up the offensive tackle spot if they short it up. Absolutely. Yeah, several points of, several points of concern, potentially, defensively, especially if you get in a, a playoff or national title situation because it would greatly help if you didn't let Georgia hang 40-plus on you. You're, you're playing a team the, the caliber of Georgia, even if it's not Georgia. That's the breaks of being in the playoff. But if you're going to come at me and say a team of that caliber is not even in consideration to win the title, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So Ohio State, until further notice, especially if they're playing this slate right here, uh, their, their first truly losable game, all respect due to Indiana. If they lose to Indiana, you can wad this entire segment up and throw it in the garbage. It is a different conversation up there. They go to Notre Dame in week four. They've got Penn State at home. They're favored by about 10 and a half. That is in late October. They go to Wisconsin the very next week. That is a tough one-two back-to-back stretch. And then they've got Minnesota 11-18, and they go to Michigan 11-25. Not a murderer's row. Not the easiest of draws, but not a murderer's row. But if I'm looking at that, I'm asking, like, where are the sure losses? And the answer is there is no sure loss anywhere on that schedule. In fact, they'll be favored in every game on here but one, I would imagine. So why would I consider them a national title contender? Because they're a national title contender. That's why. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I have to do something for you that I never do. I have, to actually, I have to actually pull the laptop over here. I have to say thank you for watching. Over a thousand of you live right now. And I know you guys have a lot of things you could be doing tonight. We're about to go into a holiday weekend. Anybody working tomorrow? <laughs> Not in this building. They even canceled softball for us this week which I didn't learn about until today, so I'm a little bit devastated by that. Here's what I have to do. I have to read the following. So, so you know Academy Sports and Outdoors. They're our ride or die. They're your one-stop shop for all outdoor sporting goods, supplies, needs, etc. I have well-documented what they have. They go above and beyond for you. I got two really good emails today that were so long I can't read them from satisfied customers of ours. But I do make it my duty to inform you if you're military out there, if you're first responder, this was already the place to go. 
But you bring in that first responder ID, you bring in that military ID, 10% additional off that order. That applies for online orders too. You go to, what is it, academy.com slash discount. They got you hooked up. You get free pickup for online orders within two hours as well. So I would, I would highly recommend that you guys are visiting Academy regardless. I think about all the outdoor possibilities this weekend and beyond. And then imagine not going to Academy before you hit up the great outdoors. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Don't be that mom or dad. Don't be that niece or nephew. Do the right thing. And if you're military first responder, take that ID, take them in there, boom, 10% off, just like that. So you get what you need. You get it for a little bit cheaper. Appreciate the service. Uh, That's through July 4th, by the way. So it doesn't just end after this week for first responders and military. Academy.com, if you can't get there in person. Academy Sports and Outdoors, if you can. And tell them I sent you. I'm not saying that gets you a discount, okay? But if you tell them I sent you, it just makes the show look good. And the cashier may or may not have a clue who I am, but that's okay. That's, that's on her. That's on him. You did your job. And for that, I thank you. You know, what, you know what a double paper pop means on this show? Well, it means I'm about to take a sip from the chalice. And then it means things are going to get really serious. Because it is, well, it's May, but it's also bold prediction season. Now, I, I've been perusing the comments on this because we started bold predictions in May last year. And I thought in retrospect, because we went like 30 chapters deep, I said, Colin and Jesse, might we have started it too early? And everybody said no. And then I looked in the comment section and so many of you were happy to see Bold Predictions return. It's almost like our version of a preview magazine. People people have been looking forward to it. People have been asking, hey, when does Bold Predictions start again? Well, the answer is it started, uh, what, four shows ago, because tonight is chapter four. So here we go. Colin, here's your... Here's your end point. Bold predictions, chapter four. Simple question. What would you bet your own money on? What is the boldest thing you believe will happen in this upcoming college football season? Uh, We got some boldness on the piece of paper tonight. The first one has to do with the Georgia Bulldogs. Brian is checking in from Alexandria, Virginia. Brian doesn't think Georgia's going to make the playoff this year. How? How, Brian? In fact, my own staff responded that way today, Brian. They questioned you. And in a much lower case fashion, how? I question you. Crazier things have happened. I will grant you this. Uh, George has got a really good shot to make the playoff this year. I'm putting this at an 8.75 on the boldness scale. Can you imagine that? This is a combination of being really good and having a really trashy schedule. Let's be real. Georgia can do nothing about the latter. Uh, They have everything to do with the former. How would this happen, though? So let's just entertain the thought. I mean, it's not crazy. It's not a crazy scenario. They lose to Tennessee and lose the SEC championship game. They're about a seven and a half point favorite on the road at Neyland right now. That game doesn't happen until November 18th, though. So whomst knows what they'll be by then. And, you know, maybe, maybe Hugh Freeze just catches lightning in a bottle they, they are Georgia's first conference game. They're Georgia, well, they're not their first conference game. They're their first road game this year. They go to Auburn. New, new quarterback, hasn't been on the road yet. The thing about it is you always build that stuff up for Georgia. And, and any time that you use what would classically be a weakness for a normal team, you see Georgia just chew it up and spit it out. So we'll see about that. But how would it happen? Easy. They drop one game and then lose the SEC championship game. That's how it would happen. Will it happen? Uh, It's tough. They're the favorite to win the national title. They're the favorite to win the SEC, obviously. So I'm putting this at an 8.75. And that is an insanely high rating of boldness just because someone said you won't make the playoff. It's really hard to make the playoff. And yet the mere possibility that Georgia won't make it brings an 8.75. That's really, really up there. Next up, this happened last year. Okay, so... Jess in Maryville, Missouri, said, despite being odds-on favorites, the Big 12 championship game will not feature Texas, and it will not feature Oklahoma for a third consecutive year. That's right. It's been back-to-back years where they haven't been in there. I had stats and info. Do a little research. 
The last time that they didn't make it in the Big 12 championship game in back-to-back years was 97 and 98. And it's never happened three times in a row. OU and Texas, either one or the other, has been in the Big 12 championship game 17 of 21 years. So, they're going to miss out for the third consecutive year. Both of them going to be sitting at home on conference championship Saturday? I happen to disagree with this. I made it an eight on the boldness scale. An eight. So as usual, Texas and OU are the odds-on favorites to win the Big 12. Texas is number one. OU is number two. Yes, kids, for those who are unfamiliar with how the odds-making process works, that Oklahoma, the one who barely made a bowl game last year, that's right. They're, they're above Kansas State. They're above TCU. They're even above Iowa State. Yes. Yes, and if you disagree, go bet your money accordingly. Look, you could sell me on Oklahoma not being there. I really think Texas is going to be there. That's as close as I've come to a prediction on them this year, and I reserve the right to change my mind. And it's not because they got a soft schedule. I'm not even counting the game at Bama. That's out of conference. We're just talking about Big 12 play. They don't have it easy. I know some people disagree. Uh, like Ole Miss may disagree, given the schedule they have to play. Yeah, okay. But, but most people don't have to play a schedule like Ole Miss has to play this year. Texas has a not, not so easy time of it. Back-to-back road games in late November is not easy, especially when the latter takes you to Ames, Iowa for a November 18th game. And then you close against Texas Tech, which could be the sleeper in the conference. And also, let's not overlook how thin the air will get for Texas. If they're going into November and they're in the conference championship picture and therefore possibly the playoff picture think about the pressure that i always heard i always heard people talk about tightrope walking and they talked about how difficult it is to train to walk a tightrope because you think to yourself hey a tightrope's a tightrope so whether it's five feet off the ground or, or 500 feet off the ground it's the same right no it's not the same the rope is the same your foot is the same but there is a much bigger difference psychologically between looking down and knowing five foot fall, I can land on my feet. 500 foot fall, street pizza. There's a big difference. And so Texas, it's one thing if they start hot. It's another thing if they're a one loss team headed up to Ames, Iowa in late November, headed home to play Texas Tech. Everything's on the line. Ooh, thin air. Practice that box breathing like I talked about earlier. I am fascinated with the concept of box breathing this week. I, I, the internet's not a good thing for me to have for all the reasons that you normally wouldn't cite. Like it's totally different than the reason that I don't want Bradley having the internet. My internet research, my search history is all over the place. And breathing techniques was what I was looking at this week, mainly because I think I strained my back because of combination of bad breathing and sneezing. I'll tell you that story later. Texas, I think, is going to be in the Big 12 championship game. I think that. I don't know that. So I'm going to say this is an eight claiming that neither one of them will be in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, This one is even more bold, though, by a long shot. Preston, not so surprisingly, hails from Birmingham, Alabama. And you better hail from somewhere close to Tuscaloosa if you're saying this. An Alabama quarterback is going to be a Heisman finalist this year? A what? Oh, who is it? He didn't even know who it's going to be. Do you know? I don't know. Does Nick Saban know? Does Tommy Reese know? I don't think anyone knows. This, this prediction from 50,000 feet is not crazy. It's just when you get on the ground level, you realize how insane it is. Alabama has had a quarterback end up a Heisman finalist or better three out of the last five years. So yeah, Bama quarterbacks have littered the Heisman trophy picture. That's the good news. The bad news is they've been named Bryce Young and Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones. So of course they have. This year's crop is... Well, not that the name Ty Simpson is bad or Jalen Milrow or Ty Buckner. It's just far less is expected production-wise from them. And also, if you think about the style of play that Bama's probably going to incorporate this year, will it even call on that kind of production? Like if a quarterback, I don't care who it is, if a quarterback at Alabama has put up the kind of production that you need to be going toe-to-toe with Caleb Williams for Heisman finalist consideration, what? It's likely they've been playing catch-up in multiple games. That Bama may be a three-loss team if they got a quarterback throwing for 4,000 yards. 
So no, this is not going to happen this year. This is a nine and a half on the boldness scale. Look, I'd, I'd put half decent odds that you can't even guess who the starter's going to be right now, much less who that starter's going to be as a Heisman finalist. So that's all there is to say about that. Lastly, boy, this would be catastrophic. Nicholas from Bloomington, Illinois said, Ohio State loses two games against Michigan and Penn State. Oh, and they lose a New Year's Six game. So there's no real way to know what bowl game they would be in. I'm just going with the first two parts of this. Ohio State loses to Penn State and loses to Michigan. I made this a 7.25. It's pretty low, actually. 7.25. This is not the boldest prediction in the world. It's statistically unlikely to happen. It's not the boldest prediction in the world. As much as I was defending Ohio State a second ago, I didn't tell you I didn't have questions about him. I just said, I've got questions about everyone. So, and look at Jerry Emig. Look at him keeping up with Ryan Day. Good for him. I just said that out of all these teams, if I got questions about all of them, the team with a whole lot of talent is the one that I don't, I don't shy away from. But with Ohio State, we can already give you numbers on these games. So Penn State comes in there, and Penn State is a 10.5-point dog. So Ohio State, as it stands now, double-digit favorite against Penn State. Plenty of time for that to move. And Penn State is one thing. When you go to the Michigan game at the end of the year, Ohio State is a one-point dog in that game right now. I don't know if that point spread surprises you guys. It's at Michigan. I don't know if that surprises you. That, that game is, it, it's, the second to, it's the last week of the year of the regular season. So all kinds of things can change that. I'm just giving you a read on what people think about it right now. This is a seven and a quarter in terms of boldness of prediction. And I already talked about Ohio State a lot tonight, so I'm not going down this road again. But man, just, just to follow up on that, like I didn't grow up an Ohio State fan or anything like that. But for those of you who did, what does that do? What, is, what does that do to Ohio State football? Because you're looking at that and saying, what, Josh, it's still a 10-win season. Doesn't matter. For them, it won't matter. You guys know that's true. It won't matter. You, you beat Purdue, you beat Maryland, you beat Indiana, you beat Youngstown State, big deal. That's what they'll say. In, in Manford, Ohio, Mansfield, Ohio, is there a Manford? I don't know. In Akron, Ohio, in Dayton, Ohio, that's what they'll say. They'll say, yeah, of course you beat them. If you didn't beat them, we would have run you out of here before the season was even over. But you lost to Penn State at home, and you lost to Michigan for the third year in a row, and then you did whatever you did in the bowl game. It's not good enough. I don't know what would follow that sentence, but I do know that's what they would say, and it would be extremely uncomfortable, and it's already kind of uncomfortable up there. So, uh, for Selfishly, living vicariously through Ohio State fans, I hope you guys can avoid that, but we'll see. They're watching us in Provo, Utah, Cherokee Falls, South Carolina, and High Lakes, Florida. I paper pop because maybe we've got some Florida Panther fans in High Lakes, Florida. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I am just born and bred, diehard NHL till I die, Florida Panthers all the way. Colin, you know this about me, right? I love the Florida Panthers. So we are headed to the Stanley Cup Finals. Good for us. And I can't name a player. So uh, yeah, I'm already screwed on that front. But yeah, um, Andrew Ivans goes to those games. I, I got to shout out Ivans for real. So Ivans is a legit Florida Panther hockey fan. The Florida Panthers, I think, up until like five minutes ago, the Florida Panthers always struck me as the most anonymous professional sports team in America. Meaning, if you follow NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, even if you don't watch them, you could name all the teams. I could name all the teams in all those leagues. And I could, I could name the Florida Panthers. But I think if you're trying to name the NHL teams, normally what happens if you don't watch hockey you get to where you're, you're about five or six short. And then you realize, oh, I forgot Winnipeg has a team now. Oh, I forgot uh, Seattle has a team. Oh, I forgot Vegas has a team. Florida's usually the last one. You, like, there is an NHL team in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You usually forget about that. You remember Tampa, but you, you forget Florida, don't you? No longer. So Ivan's, when I was down doing the signing day show a couple of, well, was it last year or this year? It was this year, this past December. Ivan's was... was checking like the Panther score on his phone. And I gained so much respect for him because on, on his screen, he has multiple updates. 
And one of the updates is a text about the whims of an 11th grader's mentality towards Michigan State. And then the next update is, oh, Panthers scored three to one lead over the Maple Leafs. Good for Ivans. Congrats. Like half of the HQ office in Fort Lauderdale apparently is a Panther season ticket holder. So speaking of the state of Florida, although not, not NHL, this has concluded hockey night in Nashville. Um, I, I got asked about this a lot, so I, I chose one of the questions. I'll talk about it for a second here. Foster asked, if, well, Foster's from Alpharetta, Georgia, and Foster asked, do you think this Georgia-Florida game should stay in Jacksonville? This is a conundrum for me. It has been for a while. I get asked about it all the time. I've spoken about it on the show a couple of times. You know I love tradition. Love it. I, I think that when you cut college football open, it bleeds tradition. And be careful with sharp objects around our sport, please. But if you did cut it open, tradition is what it bleeds. So Georgia and Florida have played in Jacksonville for a long time. There was like, I think one time in the 90s because of construction, they did the home and home. But by and large, this has been a neutral site game in Jacksonville, Florida, so much so that Corey Smith even wrote a song about it. Well, there's a situation. Two situations, in fact. One of the situations is Kirby Smart hates it. He doesn't want it there. Some Georgia fans have always thought the location is unfair. Whatever. One of them gets on a plane, one of them gets on a bus is the way they've always put it. And I get that. I have always countered that you guys should just play at Memorial Stadium in Columbus, Georgia and be done with it, but it always gets shot down. So Jacksonville. Kirby looks at it, and some people of Kirby's ilk look at it and say, we can't use it as a recruiting weekend. Alabama and Auburn play at home and their biggest recruiting weekend, guess what they get to do? They get to bring recruits because their biggest games are on campus. We play Florida and I can't bring five-star players there because it's not eligible to be an official visit because it's not on campus. And I get that. And I think selfishly, if I were a coach, that's how I'd think. Now, Billy Napier and the Florida contingent, they've gone on the record and they've said, yeah, but we make a lot more money having the game neutral site. And, um, you know, good, good for these cash-strapped SEC programs finding a way to make an extra buck. Sarcasm intended. But I get the, I get the appeal. It, look, if you're Napier or if you're not Napier, you don't need to mention money. You can just mention tradition. That's fine. I think the best argument for Jacksonville is not money. No one cares how much money you're making. They care about the tradition, maybe. And so I've always been torn on this. I have never come down on a side on this argument because I get both of them. So I love the traditional aspect of it. I also really respect Kirby's motivation of I could not care less about tradition if it impacts my recruiting in a negative way. I want the recruiting weekend. The, the other thing I think about is, and I normally use this logic in a lot of different ways, if I were to reinvent the sport today, where would I put Georgia, Florida? And I know that that's a little bit of a backwards way of supporting the home and home argument because there are a lot of things about tradition that are grandfathered in simply because of tradition and you're not allowed to just hit the reset button. I just made your argument for you if you didn't like that, by the way. But there's this other thing that's coming down the road. It looks like there's a construction project coming up down there. I think it doesn't happen until after 2025, so we got a little time. But that construction project is coming and it looks like, I can't remember if this is official, it looks like they're going to have to take that game home and home for a couple of years. I don't think it's ever going back to Jacksonville if they go home and home. That's what I think. Because I think if those folks get a taste of what it feels like for Florida to play between the hedges, and those folks get a taste of what it's like for Georgia to play in the swamp, game over for Jacksonville. And I have a sneaking suspicion if I personally got to be at those games, I'd probably say the same thing. Like I envision us 10.50 to go in the first quarter and we've already seen the spectacle that is Sanford Stadium and Ben Hill Griffin Stadium on fire. And I just picture us collectively looking to the left, looking to the right, saying, are we really letting this go back to Jacksonville? Like, they were right. This is crazy. This is nuts. I think that's what would happen. I think that's what will happen. So whether I like it or not, whether I support it or not, I think Kirby Smart's going to end up getting his way on this. And I think both schools are going to benefit from it because what is the age-old rule around here? Games never get worse when you play them on campus. They can only get worse when you move them off campus. 
And that even goes for this game. There is only one game in this sport outside of Army-Navy. There's only one game in the sport where you would get a big-time fight from me if you tried to move it from its neutral location, and that is OU Texas. And that includes you fools out there who want to move that game to Jerry World. No, no, we're hauling oats on that front. We can't go for that. No can do. As for Jacksonville, Florida, I know the game's been played there for 450 years. It would not break my heart, let me put it that way, if you move Georgia, Florida on campus. The end. All right, let's move it along. Got two more things to talk to you about. Yes, we're unloading the barrel. I've really grown to dislike the orange liquid. This used to be our go-to out of the chalice. Oh, and the other thing is this company, it's a very popular company, still has not decided to sponsor us, so I still don't give them shout-outs. What a missed opportunity. I cannot believe that we're talking about this tonight. I did not... I just want to tell you, those of you who are getting tired of this particular subject coming up, I didn't want to do it, but you're making me do it. So we're going to do it. Matt from Fort Worth, Texas. Folks like you were fine when other coaches were doing it, but now since it's Dion, it's wrong. Nah. That's Matt's sign off there. Nah. Matt, what are you talking about? I know what Matt was responding to, so I do know what he's talking about, kind of in a way. Uh, I, I chose this not because Matt himself said it. I chose this because I've been getting this nonstop, and I've been hearing a lot of people say it nonstop. There's this thought out there in the college football public that people are outspoken about Deion Sanders because Deion's just a different cat, and he's not doing anything that anyone else isn't doing, and they're going after him, and when in reality it's the system you should be mad at, not Deion Sanders. And the back part of that I agree with. Dion's not doing anything illegal. So Dion's doing exactly what the system allows him to do. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't have an ounce of disdain for Dion Sanders. Quite the opposite. I like Dion Sanders. I like that he's in college football. And I'm not mad at him for doing anything that half of y'all wouldn't do if you just took the job he took. And that's what I've told some coaches I've talked to. Because as I, as I told you last show, a couple of shows ago, I told you a couple of shows ago, several coaches have reached out to me and they have spoken their mind on Deion Sanders. Only Pat Narduzzi has done it publicly. The rest of them are off the record on it. And their reasons are their reasons. But when they vented to me, I've told every one of them the same thing. You ought to go public with it, or else you're just venting. If you want something to change, then lobby the proper authorities or just speak out like Narduzzi did. I got all the respect in the world for Pat Narduzzi. I don't even care if I disagree with him. He spoke and put his name behind his words. A lot of the other ones won't. I've been echoing that sentiment, okay? So where this response was born from is our great social team took a clip I did or took a clip from a segment I did a couple of weeks ago where I said a lot of coaches have been reaching out to me talking about Dion and the portal and overturning an entire roster and how they don't think that's what college football should be. And they just really don't like Dion, which a lot of them don't, candidly. And I said, I think some of them are jealous of him. I think some of them legitimately have concerns. I think some of them don't like him personally. And I think some other ones just are upset with the system and they are kind of misplacing their anger on Deion Sanders. Well, here's what happened. People didn't actually listen to the video. They just, they saw a video. They assumed I'm hating on the dude. And so they come in the comment section with, Comments like Matt's. Because if you've actually listened to what I've said, I dare you, Matt, I'll give you a paycheck. If you go find me criticizing Deion Sanders, period, much less disproportionate to any other coach, you won't find it, brother, but I, I challenge you to go try. I'm not criticizing him. Um, you want to criticize something, you can criticize the system. But until the system is fixed, like, what, what, what would you do, Matt? You go and you're the head coach at Colorado. And this is afforded to you. This opportunity is afforded to you. What would you do? You would look at a room full of kids that just went 1-11, and 11, have the opportunity to replace them with better pieces, and you would say, I'll pass. This is not a charity. They're paying you to do a job. And the job is to do everything within the rules to put the best team possible on the field. So if you're telling me that rules are no rules, out of the kindness of my heart, I would opt 
not to overhaul the roster. You're either lying or you're about to be sitting right back up in the stands buying a ticket because you're not going to be employed for very long with that mentality. Now, Matt, if you wanted to come to me and you wanted to say, I hate that the rules allow Dion or anyone to do what he's doing, then we're going to have a conversation. And you may even find I agree with you. People, people come at me and they, Colin, you know this from the time you and I started this show here, they have come at me whenever there's been a change in the portal or NIL or both, usually at the same time, and the NCAA has no idea how they're going to police it. They just throw it out there. Oops, we spilled this bucket of blood in the water. I hope no sharks show up. Let's go back to shore. That's the NCAA's modus operandi. Well, you know, some people don't call it out and some people do. We call it out on this show and we get labeled sometimes as, once again, being alarmist or just complaining or being negative. It's not that. So in 2020 and 21, when this was happening, and I'm not going to tell this story again at length, but and I'm not going to play a clip again because that just feels like patting yourself on the back and my back hurts too bad right now to do that. But in 20 and 21, when this was happening, I came on the show and I said, this is about to do something that you think you're going to like and you're not going to like it. Just like playoff expansion. Same principle. You think you're going to like what NIL and the portal do and you're not going to like it. It's not going to give you what you think and that is a level playing field. It's never going to do that. And what it's going to do is you're giving players freedom to move about the country like it's a Southwest flight. You're giving players money and you don't realize that coaches are then going to look at that and say, well, you're no longer a student athlete in my eyes. If you got all that, I'm going to treat you a lot more like an employee. I can't call you one legally, but I'm going to treat you like one. We were doing this segment in 2020. I remember it vividly. We pulled up a clip from it the other day. Well, we're here now. We're here. So what I don't have time for is a lot of people who bang the drum, NIL, portal, yes, portal for all, NIL for all, and then listen to me say what I said and said, oh, psh, boo. But then we fast forward three years, and then they want to claim I'm hating on Deion Sanders. I'm not hating on Deion Sanders, nor are a lot of people who are mistakenly hating on him. They're hating on the system that was allowed to be put in place without any ability to properly police it. That's what's got him angry. Just the transfer portal doesn't have a face. NIL doesn't have a face. Dion's got a face. And he talks out of it a lot. And that's what rubs a lot of them the wrong way. Let me address one other thing. And this is kind of, it's kind of a sidebar, if you will. So in the comments on that video, let me set you straight on something. A lot of you came in there and said, oh, all these coaches who don't like Deion Sanders, it's a race thing. It's because he's black. More than half the coaches I talked to about that were black. So it wasn't that. I'm not doubting there may be someone out here that doesn't like him because of his skin color. There's a lot of folks in this country. I'm telling you, the folks I talked to, there was not an ounce of that that I detected. In fact, a lot of them looked just like Dion. It wasn't that. And it wasn't even Dion is the point I keep going back to. They're upset at the system. Dion just happens to be the one taking advantage of it. So the, the, the Dion hate, it, there's this group of people. There's, they're kind of cultish. They just roam the internet. And anyone who says anything about him, they don't actually listen to what is said. They just say, hater, am I really? Really, is that what we're doing? I don't think so. All right, we got one more thing to touch on here. And it's, it's an interesting program. The way we do the mood trackers is I'm, I'll normally pull up the globe and we'll spin it like Carmen Sandiego. And all right, is, is our finger going to land on the SEC or the Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, Big 12? No. It never lands on independent. And as a result, sometimes we can forget about Notre Dame. That's one of the prices you pay for being an independent. Sometimes if people are checking off boxes by conference and you're not in one of them, there you go. And I'm sure that keeps them up at night up there, knowing we may miss a Notre Dame mood tracker. But alas, one of you pointed it out to me. So Notre Dame mood tracker time. Thermometer goes in the fan base. Raise the tongue. Let's pull it out. What are you guys feeling? about Notre Dame. What is the, the middle 80% of the fan base feeling? This time last year, I talked at length as everyone else was clowning themselves about Brian Kelly's accent and his dancing in his recruiting videos. And I was sitting here talking about how, forget all that. Did we just see a win-win? Notre Dame fans were ecstatic with Marcus Freeman. 
LSU fans were ecstatic with Brian Kelly. We fast forward a year. Has anything changed? Not really. In fact, I think a lot of people feel validated in that. LSU certainly loves where they're at. Notre Dame, after they got off to a rocky start, they ended up with a nine-win season. And they went into the transfer portal and got the best quarterback in the transfer portal afterwards. They're recruiting very well. And they're recruiting well again this class. I think their mood right now is we got ours. LSU feels the same way. It is, again, a reflection of one of the most rare occurrences in the coaching market, and that is the win-win. Everybody wins. Coach moves on, a really good one, and yet you already had the replacement in-house. That's the other thing. Notre Dame didn't have to do this massive coaching search. They had their head coach right there. He was on the same staff, as it turns out. So, so Marcus Freeman's elevated. And for, here's the added benefit. Freeman could go be a solid B-list actor, if not eventually an A-list actor. Because I've seen those commercials. I've seen those hype pieces Notre Dame put together last year. He's got the looks. He's got the chops. He's got the charisma. And Marcus Freeman chooses to grace us with his presence as a head coach. And if you don't know me better, you'd think I'm saying that sarcastically. I'm not, man. I appreciate him hanging around. Some coaches look like meatballs with arms extended out of the meatball. Marcus Freeman's a good-looking dude. And we are comfortable enough around here to say it. And he's the head coach at Notre Dame right now, and he is theirs. That's the attitude amongst Notre Dame fans. We got ours. They can keep Brian Kelly down there. We got ours. We got the dude we want. And I told you at the time, and I'll remind you, if you're not a Notre Dame fan, you don't think about this a lot. Notre Dame folks had a very interesting relationship with Brian Kelly. Because uh, I've heard Lou Holtz talk about it before. And he's right, and he would know. He said there's a certain attitude you have to have towards the brand of Notre Dame to be an effective head coach at Notre Dame. Well, they didn't feel Kelly necessarily had that. And I don't think they're wrong. I think Brian Kelly looked at it a lot more transactional than in a pour-your-heart-out-and-love-it sort of deal. I think that he looked at it as a major job. And I'm a football coach at Notre Dame. But maybe I'm not Notre Dame and then football coach in that order. And the Notre Dame folks, they just want a certain kind of mentality. They want a guy who, who embraces all of what Notre Dame is. And Brian Kelly just said, I want to go play football. That's what I want to do. Marcus Freeman's all of it. Marcus Freeman is, is what they want. And Marcus Freeman had options. He has options. He chose Notre Dame. A lot of that staff stuck around. They chose Notre Dame. They're really into that up there, as they should be. As everyone should be, Notre Dame just takes it a little more serious than most. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So they're coming into this season. They got another shot at Ohio State this year at home. They go to Clemson. You know they play USC every year. So one way or another, Notre Dame's going to have a massive impact on the playoff picture this year. And then within the walls of Notre Dame, they listen to someone say that, and they say, yeah, we're, we're going to have an impact on the playoff picture and we may be in the playoff picture. And then everyone goes, well, wait a second. Wow. Yeah, let me pay attention to them. Now, their win total is eight and a half. Their odds to win the title are plus 2,500. They got a shot. They got, you don't know who Marcus Freeman is as a head coach yet. How could you? He's one year in. You don't know what lessons he's learning. We don't even fully know what his profile is. And so you bring in the best quarterback in the transfer portal and you pair him up with an already really good roster that's not going anywhere because they're recruiting at a very high level. Let's see what they do this year. Sam Hartman, first in completions, career at Wake Forest. Pass touchdowns, most all time. Passing efficiency, most all time. Total touchdowns, most all time. Wake Forest, was that a former president, right? President Forrest. I'm kidding. My, my humor hits 90% of you, but there's, there's 10% of you that, that whew, like the other day, I made the middleman joke. I used the office quote, you wouldn't arrest a man for just delivering drugs from one person to another, would you? A cop came in the comment section. An actual police officer came in our comment section and, and kindly but firmly pointed out, it's not a joke to some of us. My apologies. So, Instead of just making veiled drug references, let me just put it to you like this. Marcus Freeman is a really good fit at Notre Dame. They know it. He knows it. The fan base loves it. That's the mood. We got ours. Bam. Kickoff. 2023. About 100 days away. Really good show tonight. About an hour. There, there, was, there was talk around the, 
office that we may not even go 40 minutes. And shame on whoever said, it was me, I said it. That's right. I did promise you one thing. I hate that I got to tell this story. Um, those of you who don't want to see me embarrassed, just log out now, please. I'll give you two seconds. Yeah, you're still here. Okay, well, the thing of it is, I was a really big baseball fan when I was a child. And I remember the home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. I don't think Roy's run baseball. I think it made it great. It blended pro wrestling and baseball. Well, anyway, I remember still one day, there was news on SportsCenter that Sammy Sosa had been scratched from the Cubs starting lineup because of a back injury. And I think, oh, that's a shame. Get well soon, Sammy. And then more details emerged. How did he injure his back? Sneezing. And I thought to myself, that is pathetic. That is one of the softest things I've ever heard from a pro athlete or otherwise. We fast forward all these years later, and I now have a strained upper back muscle from sneezing. And I told Gabe Eichert this the other day. I told Kubelik this earlier today. It's not the strain that is hurting me the most. It's the fact that I think if I were a starting linebacker on an NFL team or a college football team right now, this particular injury, because of where it is and because of the movement that it limits and because of the difficulty I have breathing, I truly don't think I could play in a football game tomorrow. And I would be Sammy Sosa. And that would be so humiliating. You got guys dragging around torn patellas. This dude over here, he's got bone on bone. He's 36 years old. He's just trying to hang in there and make one more paycheck. I got a dude over here that has been sporting a fracture in his forearm for six weeks. It's just taped up every week. You guys have fun out there today. I have fully functioning legs. Shoulders feel great. However, there is a little twinge in my upper back. I would, I would stuff my own self in a locker. And yet here I am. I guess the one saving grace is I really thought we had softball tomorrow night and we don't. That's, that's God looking out for you. Injuries have to happen. At least it happened in my bye week in softball. So yes, if anyone has a more ridiculous injury than that you're dealing with right now, believe me, I need to be comforted. I just want you to feel sorry for me. That's all I want. So anyone out there suffering some freak injury right now, please, hot glue gun burns your cheek. I don't care how it happened. I just care that it happened. Please make me feel better. And if you can't do that, just subscribe to the channel and that will suffice. So for producer Belchie filling in for Jesse, for director Colin, for Bradley the Associate, I'm Josh Bate. Take care. Great conversation with Kubelik. Going to be posted on the channel sometime Sunday. Until then, take care and God bless.